How is it that innovative software solutions have the ability to change the world, yet they don't sell themselves? How is it that I know my target market, but I'm not able to generate enough sales opportunities? How do I even get started to create visibility for my brand when I'm not an expert at marketing? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Welcome to Simplified, software marketing made simple. Okay, we should be live now. Hi, everyone. This is Liz from MediaDev, and today I am joined by Shai. Hi, Shai. How are you today? Um, good. Thank you. <laughs> good. So for those of you that don't know Shai, I always introduce Shai as my right arm, although I don't think that's the greatest job title. I think maybe everything manager would be a better job title for Shai because Shai is always helping in the back office, doing a little bit of everything, uh, helping to train agents, onboarding with new clients, uh, you know, getting scripts prepared, training, coaching, monitoring, and really ensuring that the lead generation campaigns that we run are a success. So that's today's topic, in fact, best practices for making any lead generation campaign a success. So I'm excited to have Shai here today to talk about his vast experience in this domain. So I'm just going to dive right into the questions now. So Shai, from your experience, what are some things that are absolutely necessary to have when launching a new lead generation campaign? Okay, so first of all, I think that, uh, you know, both uh, right arm and manager of everything is kind of a bad job title. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, yeah, no. Um, so before we start the campaign, I mean, um, I think some of the things that we have to have um, is first a good segmentation of the market. Um, and that's probably coming from good data. Um, and when, when we talk about data, we know how problematic it is to have uh, personal data stored. Um, but we do need to understand um, the target. First of all, we get the details from the client, right? We know uh, what kind of companies um, they they aim for uh, because we, we do B2B campaigns. So what, what size they should be, what revenue, um, any other criteria and specification. And then we need to understand, you know, the markets that we are looking at, uh, how are they constructed? Um, how many companies do we have in target or at least approximately um, and, and what do we know about them? Um, so if we, we, we talk about ISVs, then um, what do we know about those ISVs? What, what do we know about their offering, uh, their vertical, the horizontals, uh, the solutions that they provide? Um, just basically to get a little bit of an idea um, how much of this market uh, can we capture? Um, statistically, how many leads can we really generate? Um, and I mean, I think this is probably the best uh, starting point. Um, I think um, also with the client, after understanding the value proposition, after understanding everything that they want to do, um, we should define we should define the best cross-channel strategy. So, I mean, are we going to approach companies and people by phone? Are we going to do it for social media? Uh, are we combining the methods? Uh, how do we combine the methods? When are we combining the methods? Um, you know, when when method really makes sense um, and I think different markets different regions uh, based on our experience right I mean they they, they differ um, and different strategies apply uh, but the combination of I think understanding the market um, really understanding the value proposition from the client and having people that really understand the topic and really close to the IT world to, to, to the software world 
um, that can deliver on this value proposition, of course, that's priceless and, and uh, integral part of the process. Uh, but the market segmentation, um, the ability of the agents to deliver the value proposition um, and defining the right strategy uh, based on the different channels, um, it's probably the right pillars uh, to make the campaign a success. Um, it's all for the purpose, I think, of, of touching the market as, as quickly as possible. Um, because we want to start working for a client and we want to understand how many companies and how many relevant uh, uh, people and organizations uh, are out there, uh, how much do we know about them, um, how many of them can we reach out to quickly to really understand who has some kind of an opportunity, who is a space uh, to implement a certain solution and, and, and just take it from there. So I think, uh, yeah, that, that would probably be uh, the ideal start. So, yeah. And what should clients keep in mind when they kick off a program with a new vendor? Um, I think um, I, I think clients would like to know, and that's just my opinion, that uh, vendors are really going to adjust based on their needs. Um, the campaigns that we do, so we we often we were very special. We're we're uniquely focused on the IT space and 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 software. Um, and I think that's very different from, let's say, promoting coffee machines because there's like endless amount of people that, that like to drink coffee. But uh, if you talk about a certain payment solution or you talk about uh, a certain database technology, um, you have to be a lot more knowledgeable and, and, and there's a lot less uh, uh, people and organization in, in, you know, in certain regions that, that the value proposition is going to touch them. Um, so I think that clients should understand that uh, their vendor really knows the value proposition really close to the IT world um, and can easily adjust because you know we, we, we've seen in so many campaigns that uh, we start something, uh, we think we have the right method, we think that we have the right strategy, uh, we think that a certain value proposition and the delivery method is going to work and we dive into the campaign we talk to people we talk to decision makers um, in some of the biggest organizations and we learn something different we learn then that the different delivery method uh, is going to work we learn that maybe they don't have needs where we thought they have but the, the business needs lie lie elsewhere um, and you just have to quickly be able to inform the client that hey we discovered something different that something different is going to work um, and somehow turn the whole methodology around. And I think that if uh, you can't do it quickly enough, um, it's probably going to turn into a big problem. So uh, adjustability, um, the ability to really understand uh, a very techie value proposition, I think they're super important. Um, and I think that um, with some vendors, um, I sometimes I notice that it's very easy to get lost in all kinds of sales metrics. Um, but it doesn't necessarily give clients what they want. I mean, there's a lot of metrics that you can fall into with marketing, right? I mean, how many people opened the email? How many people clicked on the email? How many people uh, expressed this and that and, and, and keywords? But at the end of the day, uh, clients mostly want to, to sell. And selling um, solutions, selling software, we have to get the right person uh, engaged and we have to know that there's a certain business need or there's a pain point that uh, we can leverage, that our clients can leverage and, and build something over that. 
Um, and that's mostly going to come from a very um, meaningful, substantial uh, human interaction, uh, you know, agent to, to, to prospect interaction. Um, so I think that in order to make sure that you really get what you want, that you really get meaningful results, and not just an abundance of sales matrix, you need to have a vendor that can adjust really quickly um, and that can really sometimes a very complicated and techy value proposition. Completely agree with that. So what are some red flags that you need to watch out for when running a lead generation campaign? Um, well, there's, there's, there's many, like I said, sometimes we, we think that we know how to deliver the value proposition and we engage with, uh, technical decision makers or business decision makers. And we realize that, that we were wrong. Like we, we should probably mention things differently or, uh, uh you know, um, change, change the pitch. Um, and that's something that we can flag, uh, kind of early. I think that um, sometimes we we realize that the expectation uh, doesn't really fit the timeline and that that's become a little bit popular now with the COVID-19, with a lot of people working from home. Um, we, we often uh, speak to, um, you know, IT decision makers and we realize that even though there was a lot of interest in a certain solution, let's say, um, they didn't have the budget. Um, the time, the timing was awful, but they were really willing to stay in touch. They were re willing to review materials. They were happy, uh, you know, to probably be in uh, with the client until um, the, the uncertainty is over and then see when they can launch a project. So sometimes the dry numbers don't really fit the timeline. But um, I think if we can explain that, and of course, if we can explain the reasons, um, there's still uh, a lot of value. So, so adjusting um, expectations, I think, to, uh, to the timing. Um, and uh, sometimes I think that we notice that the content that we're using is, is maybe not as engaging as, as we thought. And uh, I think that this is something that if we uh, tell the client, um, we usually, or either we create the content ourselves, you know, we can solve. Um, so I think these are some of the, you know, more common red flags. How is having feedback from our client sales teams fundamental to ensure success? Um, very much so. So, I mean, uh, ironically, I think that um, if we compare two clients, one is really uh, engaging and has direct communication with us and sometimes even the, the, the agents. Um, and we have frequent training calls and, and they follow up uh, in 24, 48 hours after the lead is submitted. And, and, and we have clients like that. Um, and we have had clients that didn't give us feedback for weeks and sometimes months. Um, and although we are 100% sure that the lead quality is the same, um, the outcome is, is, is completely different. Um, you know, um, it's, it's just I think that the, the, this business is essentially is made of people. And I think that uh, when we have uh, our clients and their salespeople really in touch with the agents, the people that are making the conversations uh, that can explain to them what happened, uh, why it happened like that. Um, they can really, really understand what our clients are looking for, what, what, what they want, um, you know, what, what, what is their focus. Um, then the whole process has become so much easier and, and, and we've seen the same quality of leads sometimes get immediate uh, follow-up, immediate feedback, 
um, very much in touch with what clients ask for. Um, and the same quality of leads or the same methodology with a client that is not doing a very frequent follow-up. Um, it's, it's just different worlds, really something completely different. So um, yeah, it's, it's just a huge factor to, to make a campaign a success. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that when we work in a silo and we're not able to exchange regularly, it makes it hard on both on both sides. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that it's a good idea to have frequent contact and interaction. Um, can you describe what the campaign setup process involves? Um, so usually for us, of course, first we have to understand from the client what is it that they're looking for. So the value proposition, um, I know every everybody, a lot of clients think that they don't have competition or that the competition is not as good and it's it's often not, not correct and we really, I think in my opinion, um, everything that we can learn about any any edge that they have in the market, anything that differentiate them from the competition um, is at the end of the day is going to be a huge help because we have to study our clients, we have to study the solutions, the products, we have to know uh, what we're talking about. Um, so after getting this information and after understanding uh, the target audience, uh, uh, the region, um, any uh, job title in the organization that might be a good uh, target for us, um, then we start this process of um, market research and uh, data preparation. So we, we want to understand, like I said, how many uh, organizations uh, do we have in that specific market that we can target? What do we know about these organizations? Who is the better target? Uh, who is the least better target um, and then of course uh, training the agents making sure that they're up to speed with everything that they understand the value proposition um, thinking about all the different uh, delivery methods all of the different pitches and, and all the ways we can approach different uh, uh, people in the organization uh, mentioning uh, uh, you know the the, the edge uh, the things that are more relevant to them um, of course, if we do social media, then then setting that up, um, and yeah, and that's I think that's that's pretty much how it goes. Yeah, and then like you said earlier, that kind of loop where we deliver leads, the clients give feedback, and we continue to improve the process along the way. And I do agree with you when you say you know we have to do kind of cross-channel marketing and you know preparing those email pitches and preparing um, you know pitches for the phone or pitches on you know in-mail messages on LinkedIn, for example. Like all those different aspects are important to get down kind of as we start. But I do agree with what you said before, which is that we also need to be able to. Pitch it um, and be flexible and adjust um, if things don't go exactly, you know, how we had planned initially in that setup phase. So um, why do you feel continual coaching is important for our telesales agents? So I think um, this is really connected to uh, adjustability. I mean, um, I, I think that um, um, we, we we know this is sometimes really not scientific. We know that especially when we speak to, to decision makers over the phone, um, a couple of different words here and there can make a world of a difference, right? So so is the feeling of confidence that you that that people know what they're talking about um, can really make the difference between a conversation that is developing into a lead, that is developing on something that can be followed up on and into a sale, um, and something that just goes nowhere, right? Because, because mm. the, the, the prospect just doesn't want to talk to, to you. Um, so I, I really, um, I think I'm a 
purist in that regard. I, I, I really think we should know as much as possible. Of course, we will never be as technical as some of those IT managers that, that we talk to. We are not going to, you know, we're not going to call uh, uh, a multi-billion dollar company, speak to some of their most, most technical people and pretend to be more technical than them. It's never going to happen. Um, but we should know what we're talking about. And I think that um, the, the level of, of, of conversation and the level of an agent that really knows the material, um, it's, it's again, it's, 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 it's priceless. And, and sometimes it's hard to quantify just how many opportunities are lost because uh, the other side feels that maybe the person that speaks to him is not so confident. He really is not sure what he's talking about. Um, so I think that that the coaching aspect, um, in, you know, is, is it, it's it's never ending. Uh, but also, I think that I realized with time that, you know, we work with clients that have uh, data analytics solutions and backup and recovery solutions and database technology um, and ERPs. Um, workforce management solutions, and I think that. Um, there's certain topics in uh, like analytics and AI that if you understand them, that they just manifest themselves um, um, in in different aspects of business. But the issue is sometimes the same, like like lack of insight, right? Lack of insight is an issue that can appear, uh, uh, you know, for people that deal with operations as a whole, uh, marketing, sales, and this the solutions, uh, the applications that that answer those those business challenge are are different uh but the topics are kind of the same right it's like the same issue that is manifesting in in many areas of business um and i think that agents that can make those connections right that maybe they can speak to um a sales director and hear something uh, lack of insight lack of ability to uh, to aggregate data um, and and the more that they know, you know, it will start to bust them that it's probably affecting a lot of other people in the business in many other direction. Um, and then they can really connect to those people and really build on that conversation. So, um, yeah, it's uh, super important and something that we try to do all the time. Right. I mean, kind of coaching is it's 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 never ending. It's it's it never feels like it's enough. Um, you know, because it probably isn't. I mean, it's just you can always learn something new. So, yeah, and it's true too. I mean, there are always going to be the instances as well where no matter how good we are, there's still going to be other, you know, prospects at the other end that are just not in a good mood that day. So, you know, I mean, I do think there is that aspect too. You know, you, like you said before, it's human to human interaction. So there is also that element. Um, but it's also about persistence. And I do think that coaching, you know, is just part of the persistence aspect of trying to perfect. Um, and, and at the same time, there's always a variable, which is that every company is different and every decision maker is different and every, you know, person that we talk to is going to be different. So there's also that, uh, Right. aspect to deal with too, which which personally is why I think the job is so interesting because it changes all the time. Uh, you know, you don't have the ability to to, to get bored <laughs> no matter yeah, what. Yeah, it's so frustrating no because it's, it's never something that works once. You know, you sometimes are not sure it's going to work again because a different market or different value proposition. So yeah, interesting and frustrating at the same time. <laughs> uh, challenging, challenging. Challenging. For sure.
So um, as, uh, as most of the people listening probably know, we do focus a lot on OEM types of campaigns. So OEM versus end user campaigns, which type do you prefer and why? Um, I think the OEM campaigns. I think that uh, at the beginning when we started to do OEM, uh, I think uh, it felt like something a little bit more intimidating uh, because we mostly did end user campaigns. Uh, but now um, I think it's probably a, a little bit nicer because um, I feel that, you know, with time, um, people are just not, they, they don't want to be sold anything, right? I mean, you, you call you call people and, and, and the, the, the moment that you feel you're trying to be a little bit salesy, you want them to spend money on anything, um, I think it's just an instinct of ours. So you just get an immediate pushback. Um, and with the OEM campaigns, it's, it's not about benefiting the individual so much as it's about benefiting a product or a service that the company is making. So I think in that way, they they tend to listen uh, a lot more, um, and when it's coming to, to to spending and you know it's coming to progressing, I think they feel okay. So this is something that is actually supposed to improve the value proposition as a whole, something that can uh, benefit our clients, something that can benefit the end user at the end of the day. So okay, let, let let's talk now, regardless of the money. You know, it's it's more like that. And with the end user campaign. Um, I think that again, with time, we see that people's mentality is like, okay, you want to sell me on something? I'm, 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 I'm just not interested. Um, so, um, yeah. So, so for me, the OEM campaign is a little bit more interesting, a little bit more, uh, sometimes nicer to run. Um, and sometimes we do both. I mean, we have clients that we run OEM campaigns and end user campaigns at the same time, which is also kind of an ideal scenario because you know, you call a company. Um, um, and sometimes they 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 have solutions that they develop on their own, uh, but they also have business needs that you know we can jump into end user conversation, um, which is also great. So yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the best is being really open about the deliverable and being able to have kind of a plethora of choice because we do come across so many different types of opportunities. You know, working with software vendors, we've even come across, you know, reseller opportunities when we weren't expecting to have those uh, or end user leads, like you said, when we were perhaps going after, you know, an embedded ISV to ISV uh, partnership. You know, so it, it is good to have an open mind. It's true that sometimes, though, our, our clients have budgets that are set aside for specific actions. So it's not always possible. But I think when it is, that's really the best, you know, bang for your buck is being open to any kind of conversation that we can have and then just seeing where it takes us. Right. And it's also coming to, to, to feedback because we clients that really stay in touch with us and, um, you know, we can discuss this, the scenarios. I mean, we have, we have clients that, let's say, allocated budget for OEM and we came across end user leads and um, they, they ended up being, uh, you know, big deals uh, developing, right? I mean, um, they had a lot of value. So a client that we really don't have such uh, frequent uh, feedback and we can't discuss that. Basically, the opportunity is lost and the client that, uh, you know, we can explain the situation, we can think together what to do. Um, sometimes they rotate those end user leads, uh, let's say, to, to the relevant department and they can follow up. So, um, yeah, it's, it's ideal when it's coming together as a whole. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that goes back to just, to, you know, our vision of holistic marketing. And, you know, that comes before, like you said, you know, with cross channel, omni channel, always on types of activities, you know, instead of working in a silo, like we said before. So good. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about what we can do to make sure any lead, genera any lead generation campaign is a success? 
Um, I think I think we covered uh, uh, most of it. I think that um, I'm sometimes myself. I'm just surprised as to how much. I mean, how much work we have now <laughs> in the COVID nineteen uh, situation. Everybody needs uh, kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's it's insane. Um, you know, the 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 big tech companies they didn't take a hit uh, like, like like other markets, and uh, the tech industry remained pretty pretty much active. Um, so uh, it's 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 kind of crazy, um, but yeah, no, uh, it's it's just really amazing because um, you know five years ago, I mean, what did we used to discuss? We used to discuss antivirus solutions and things that um, today seems like ancient history. And today, what do we discuss? Uh, AI algorithms and machine learning and uh, serverless infrastructure and blockchain uh, and IoT. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's it's so interesting to 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 learn new things. And when we get a client that that has something that we might uh, find a little bit new, uh, that we also have to, uh, have to learn. Um, it's it's exciting. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, who knows what we're going to discuss in ten years, like quantum computing or something crazy. I mean, it's uh, the, really the possibilities are endless. So um, yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Super. Thank you so much for your time today, Shai. And for those of you listening, for other great resources, including other podcasts, check out our resource library at mediadev.com. And we'll see you back soon for a, another episode. Thanks again. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. You just listened to Simplified, brought to you by MediaDev. If you have software marketing questions or need help marketing your software solution, reach out to us at contact at mediadev.com and check out other amazing assets for you on our resource library at mediadev.com.